you know, I've got a problem. Problem is, sometimes I get so much revelation at one time that I don't know whether I'm coming or going. And this is one of those mornings. You have notes to hand out, but it's agreeing with God's presence. There's a thing in the Spirit about unity, and there's a whole bunch going on. And I thought we were going one thing one way when I walked in the church this morning. I thought we were going another way when we walked in when we were at the prayer time. And and as they were, um, as we were leading worship, I'm going, we're going another way. And uh, and the Lord's talking to me about, talking to us about valleys, a valley. And I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah, I mean not Jeremiah, Ezekiel chapter 37. And you're catching stuff that, y'all, that it's just, I believe it's from God for us to go to. I know there is a really important word that God has given us called God's presence among us, agreeing for his presence among us. Uh, That's really good. Uh, Bless me when I was... uh, It's very important. But in verse 1 of... uh, Kent spoke something about this, and um, there's something very big today, because some of you today are in a valley of dry bones or a valley of trouble. And God is calling us to do some stuff. Notice this in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was was upon me and He brought me out of the Spirit. He, he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. Now, you know how this thing starts off. I want you to notice this. He sets me down in the middle of the valley. The valley. Now, Hebrew is a little different than Greek in that the the articles can get really definite. In Greek, uh, articles don't really, they're not a definite thing. But in Hebrew, you can get this definite article. And notice what it says. He set me down in the valley. Now, if you're living in, in Blacksburg area or Christiansburg area, and somebody says, hey, let's go over to the university. You automatically know you're not talking about the University of Virginia. You're talking about what? Virginia Tech. If you go, you go and say, hey, let's go to the, the capital. Well, you could say stater, but you go to the capital. All of a sudden, it'll identify the place. It's either Richmond or it's if you call let's go to the capital and you're in the context of talking uh, about uh, that the nation, automatically you know, oh, we're going to the capital. We're going to Washington, D.C. Well, yeah, he's talking about it here and he's saying, go, I found myself in the valley. Well, we know where it's going to, and the valley was full of dry bones. Well, y'all, he's saying, the valley. What valley? Well, you've got to think. Jewish mindset here. What valley? Well, really, there's one big valley. When you start thinking within the Jewish mindset, if you would, turn with me to um, Genesis chapter, uh, oh, dude, chapter, uh, oh, my my mind going blank. Um, Father, help me. Yeah, the one with 
13.10. Yeah, 13.10. Genesis, turn with me to Genesis 13.10. Yeah, that's it. Now watch it. Now uh, Ezekiel is seeing a valley that's full of what? Dry bones. But he says he took me in the midst of the valley. Well, what was this valley purposed for? I want you to notice this. Now Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of what? The Jordan. So you're in a Jewish mind. Let me tell you something. The valley in Israel is the valley of Jordan. But notice the characteristics of the valley of Jordan. And that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord and like the land of Egypt as as far as Zor. Now, even today, y'all, I mean, no, you you know, I've, I've stood on Mount, uh, not Mount Sinai, Mount, Mount, uh, Mount, Mount, Mount. Where's Moses stood on top of uh, Horeb? Yeah. And he looked out and he looked over into the promised land. Um, yeah, I stood on that, and you look down on it. I mean, it's a high, it's it's just desolate area, but high up, and you look down on the Dead Sea, and uh, and there he looks over, and he saw over into, you know, way over, in, and he saw the Promised Land. God showed it to him. Well, this valley is the valley that that uh, Ezekiel is standing. In. The purpose of this thing was to be as the Garden of the Lord, but but it's full of what? Dry bones. It's full of dry bones. And now, y'all, um, we've been doing something ever since Kent, Kent Henry got here that just uh, we've been praying and prophesying the Word of God. Now, what does that got to do with this valley of the dry bones? But it's a very important. Now, he's in the midst of a valley, it's full of dry bones. And we're going to see something here about prophesying here in a few minutes. But I just want you to get this context. Some of you in a, in a valley. Valley is a place, a dividing place. God's purpose is the valley to be lush. But the Lord spoke to me. Some of us in here in Hosea chapter 2, where it's a valley of Achor, or a valley of dry bones. And you're finding yourself in this place. And there's multiple different levels of this going on right now in the spirit. Now, let's take this discussion about the valley and, and Ezekiel, and let's set it right over here for a second. And go with me to Psalm 149. When Kent Henry came, um, y'all, there's been, there's been a dynamic going on in dwelling place for a long time, and a long time in my ministry, and the things have revolved around me that were. Now, y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but and you probably know it. But there's one of the parts of things that happens in my life, y'all, that I spend a lot of time in the Spirit and, and, and dealing, with, uh, dealing with a lot of spiritual warfare. And, and one of the things that I get caught dealing with are, are rulers. Because you don't know, remember in Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against rulers. Some versions say principalities, but it's the Greek word arche, meaning ruler. But against rulers and authorities. In other words, what they do. The rulers, in other words, they have been given authority, literally before the foundations of the world. There's rulers and there's authorities. Authorities literally mean they gained access, legal rights to function. Demonic oppression is an authority. 
a sin has occurred, and so they give it like a spirit of lust. They've got authority there through somebody entertaining lust, and so that spirit can torment them in that area. That's an authority. Rulers and authorities, so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the world forces of this darkness. In other words, there's these rulers and authorities, there's rulers and authorities functioning in world forces around the world, in this re- in, around us. And then it goes on to say spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. In other words, so there can be rulers and authorities functioning in the world forces, demonic world forces, and also in the heavenlies. One of the things that's really always been before me was dealing with these rulers. You do not pray against rulers straight on. And I did that before in my ministry. In fact, Big Stone Gap. When I was pastoring there, when revival was breaking out there, I used to go above a mountain overlooking Big Stone Gap, and I would just pray and re- against these rulers over that region. We all, it was not long right after that that I got just massively slammed in the spirit. And they literally got run out of Big Stone Gap. Not by the people. The people were just phenomenal. Revival was occurring. But I, got, I got personally just killed, literally, just about. I mean, just amazing the things that happened in my life. And I ran. Uh, and and ever since that time, y'all, I've uh, I've faced off rulers. We uh, when Jonathan and Melissa Helser were here, uh, I, I preached on this, and, uh, and and there was a doorway open in the heavenlies, and I knew that we were the ruler over this region, the demonic ruler that was responsible, that literally had the blood on it in relationship to the thirty three killed. Those police officers were killed right before that. Uh, those two young couples that was killed up there on that mountain, and also the guy, the Chinese girl that was killed in in there. The blood on those of those of mur- on that was coming from that ruler. And y'all, I knew it. Well, the doorway opened in the spirit to have an effect on this this ruler that. We had during that, that Saturday night with that Jonathan Melissa Helter concert, and uh, and uh, I knew it, but uh, we you know we didn't have an effect. The doorway opened, and I'm going, how do we get there? And I, I shared with that before. When Kent came, and he introduced into us about combining three things: praise and worship, prophesying, and prayer. The four things. What did I have to say? Worship and praise and worship, prayer, prophesying, and the Word of God all in one time. All of a sudden, y'all, I felt like somebody handed me a 300 Weatherby Magnum and said, you can shoot the bear. Because, I mean, out at Pembroke, we had a bear show up and started hanging around the property. One night, Josh and Stacy came out the side of the the, uh, lodge and the about a two or three or four hundred pound bear. Big bear was in the trash can right there by the door. So they opened the door and he just he, he scampered off, what, about ten yards? And turned around and stopped. Right? And just sort of, and there Josh and Stacy are standing there and there's this bear standing there. And it's sort of like a standoff. You know, Right? 
Is that what I understood? Yeah, Stacy, she can tell you about it. But, but as I was picturing that, now that's what I felt like for years in the spirit is there here's these rulers, and I feel like I'm standing there going, like Josh and Stacy were that bear going, okay. Now, you know, we don't want to sort of kill a bear, but we, want it, we definitely don't want it to be there. Or there's people running around and being, you know, hanging around. But if it hurts somebody, I'll kill it. You know, quick. Uh, where it comes close to that, it'll be missing in action. But uh, but a ruler, I don't want to fool around with. And I felt like when we were there that night, that when Kent started leading us that weekend, somebody handed us a gun that we could say, all right, Bear, you're going down. And y'all, some of us have been staring off at the enemy. Really, man, I mean, no one's there. You made your backs turn to the enemy and have not been able to fight the battle. Well, when Kent shared with us the things about the Word of God, worship, prophesying, prayer, this is what the Lord showed me in Psalm 149. Notice, uh, I'll start at verse 5, because the whole first part of the chapter is about worship. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. This is all in the Spirit. To execute vengeance on the nations, punishments on the peoples. Here's the key part. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the judgment written. That's the key phrase. To execute on them the judgment written. What is the judgment written, y'all? This. To execute on the rulers the judgment's written. But what we've been doing, y'all, in Dwelling Place, and what we were doing this morning, I really want y'all to understand that's one of the things behind this is that this morning we took Psalm 133. And we read a phrase of Psalm 133. We prayed Psalm 133. Then we prophesied 133. Now, what does that have to do with the vow of the dry bones? Okay, so we're going to... Pick this up, okay? Now, what we're wanting to do is release the judgments written by kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. This is what it says. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Now, y'all, now let's go back to Ezekiel 33. So watch what happens. He caused me to pass among them about and behold there was very many on the surface of the valley and lo it was very dry some of us in this room have been facing a a dry time and there's bones and the bones are the remnants of something that was once living it's all just it's all it's not totally dysfunctional and then the lord says he said to me son of man can these bones live now y'all that's about as far as it gets from being raising somebody from the dead I mean, the only other thing I could think could be a whole lot worse than vibe, uh, you know, about, uh, bones in relationship to resurrection power is, is cremation. You know, that's about, that's probably a little bit further. But bones scattered, 
in somebody and God's saying, can these bones live? Well, there's circumstances and situations happening in our lives, John. In our lives that look pretty hopeless. And all of a sudden, God says to us, can these bones live? Uh, Ezekiel, he responds pretty smart. Lord, you know. I think he's obviously at a place he don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a safe thing to say. You know, just look up. You know God. Yeah, you know. And then he says, again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear that? Prophesy. Now, notice who's doing the prophesying, y'all. Ezekiel. He said to me, prophesy over it. You think God's going, you know, he would say it. But notice what he says. Prophesy over them. And notice what he's saying. Hear what? The word of the Lord. The judgment's written. Prophesy. Hear the judgment's written. Now, y'all, first off, I want to say here, there's a power that what we're doing here, prophesying, hear the word of the Lord. You know, one thing you know in dwelling place, we're not big about commitments, dedications, vows, all this kind of stuff. We're after a principle called confession or prophesying. What you're doing is you're speaking in agreement with what God says. Now, here's my question to us. What are we saying over the dry bones in our life? Now, you may have heard me tell this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's relevant here. It's when I was doing campus ministry at Virginia Tech. God was doing this work in me about the significance of words and what we're speaking into the situations in our lives. Anyway, but that was beside the point. That was sort of one of the side issues that God was doing in my life. And I, we were doing, uh, we were doing, I never forget, we were doing the Bible study. We were doing, it was sort of like when Eagle's Nest just first started at Tech, and we were doing this study, uh, you know, had the worship time, and I think it's a Brush Mountain room on the third floor, I believe it was, on the third floor of Squires, and how you'd get there, you either walk three, two flights of stairs or whatever it is, two floors up from the third floor, or you ride the elevator that's glass. And so I'd always just hop on the elevator, but I remember this one particular night, I'm going in there, and my arms are full, I got stuff. And my, I'm focused on what God is saying about for the Bible study. So I go there, go to that elevator, I push the button, and I'm just I'm really not even paying attention to what I'm doing. Push the button, the elevator door opens, and I get on. And you know how you stand there when you walk on that elevator at, at Squires? You just step on there, and it's just glass, and you're standing there. And so I'm just, you know, and I'm just focused, I'm focused, and I'm, I'm probably on there a minute or two. I'm not exaggerating. All of a sudden, I realize the elevator's not moving. <laughs> And I'm feeling kind of stupid. You know, I'm sure somebody outside looking in going, what's he doing? Because <laughs> I'm standing over these books and I'm just like. And all of a sudden I turn around and look. And you know what I've done? I got on the elevator and didn't push a button. So I pushed third floor button. The elevator goes up. And so, uh, so you know, I get off. No big deal. I'm just feeling kind of stupid though. You know? So next week. Come, same scenario comes up. I'm coming to the elevator, and uh, and I, you know I'm focused again. 
push the button, on, the elevator door opens, and I get in, and I'm remembering, aha, push a button. So I push a button, and then I focused again. And then, but y'all didn't take me as quite as long this time. Probably 30 seconds this time. I realized the elevator's not going anywhere. And I'm, well, what's going on? I turned around and I looked. And you know what I did? I pushed the, the floor that I was on. So I pushed three, and the elevator goes up. And then I get off the elevator, and the Lord starts speaking to me. He said, Rick, if you get on the elevator of life, and you say nothing regarding the circumstances in your life, you will stay right where you are. He says, also, if you get on the elevator of life and you confess the circumstances of which you were in, you will stay right where you are. But, Rick, when you get on the elevator of life, you want to push the button where you're going? You want to speak where you're going. If you speak where you're going, that's where you will go. And that's what it talks about in Matthew chapter 10. By your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. You'll give account for every idle word on the day of judgment. Because why? Your words determine and dictate the direction in which you go. Now, y'all, I don't want to speak my words. I want to speak whose. And so many of us in this room are sitting in a valley of Achor, a valley of dry bones, and we're looking at it, and we're going, God's saying, can these bones, these circumstances in our lives live? You're going, God, you know. And God's saying, prophesy, say, hear the word of the Lord over the dry bones in your life. And that's what he's saying. And guess what, y'all? He didn't just prophesy over the bones and automatically it all come together, did it? What did he do? What's the progression? Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you may come to life. So to hear the word, thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin, put breath in you that you may come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, a rattling and these bones came together. Bone to it, it's bones. I looked and behold, the sinews were on them and flesh grew and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from four winds. And, and it, it talks about, so I prophesied as was commanded me. Y'all, notice there's a progression going on here. Many times that we prophesy, we'll see something happening good. Now, y'all. All these bones coming together and all of a sudden there's a body there? I mean, you'd be pretty impressed with that. That'd be pretty impressive. But y'all, that's not the finished product, is it? What if Ezekiel quit? What if Ezekiel quit? You know, like, uh, I just got to stop here a second. Derek and Sharon. There's some things coming together for y'all. I mean, it's coming together. 
but the breath of God's not in it yet. There's some things you've got to prophesy into the things in your life. I mean, you, you're going to have to say to the circumstances in your lives, hear the word of the Lord. Or if not, I'll say this, you end up back in Alabama doing the same thing you've done in the past. You have not been created for what you've done in the past. You have been created for far greater. You're going to have to prophesy into it. Burby. I mean, I think there's some situations and circumstances. Uh, one sense, there's looking dry bones, bro. Tom's catching a lot of, for y'all don't know, Tom's catching a lot of flack for teaching science. Not science. Never mention the Word of God. Never mention God. Never mention creation. Never mention, just talk flat science. All of a sudden, he gets accused of teaching about, not teaching science. Many of y'all were here when Tom taught on that Wednesday night class. That was science. And I'm sure he dumbed it down for us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that God is saying there's some things you've got to prophesy into. God's going to put life to. Really, in fact, there's a thing that's going to have to come together, to be honest with you. You're at the beginning. You got dry bones everywhere, bro. but that's okay. You can prophesy to those bones. You know, I just I can feel in the spirit. I can just go around this room and just about picking things off. Chad, there's things that are scattered in relationship for you. This true spirit of prophecy is on you. I mean, and God, is, there's some things that you're going to have to be aggressive in to prophesy out of the word of the Lord and to you and your family. And Satan does not want it, and Satan does not like it, but it's, it's there. It's there. That's what I speak into you. Rise up, that man of God. So, oh, go with me to First Chronicles chapter 25. So how do you prophesy? First Chronicles chapter 25. It's after Genesis, isn't it? Remember what I, I what. Remember what we, like this morning, we took Psalm 133. We read the word of the Lord. We prayed the word of the Lord. And then I said to you, we, we prophesied the word of the Lord. Now, how do we prophesy the word of the Lord? Who prophesied? Huh? I mean, this morning. Huh? Amy, Haley, and, and um, Janelle. And uh, then, then what did they do? They sang it. What then? What happened? We we started. Everybody else started agreeing with them. Okay. Was are we doing that just because it's nice? No. Now I want you to watch this. 
One of the ways that you prophesy into the circumstances and situations that you deal with. Watch this. Moreover, David, commanders of the army set apart for the service, son, the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jethreth. Uh, uh, I hate to be his brother. I have a hard time saying his name. And who were, notice this, who were to prophesy with what? With the lyres, the harps, the cymbals. And a number of those who performed their service was. They prophesied with these musical instruments. Curious question here. How many people in this room play musical instruments? Raise your hands. Okay, let me ask a question. And I don't want you to respond. It's a rhetorical question. How many times do you have a quiet time with that musical instrument? Many times we think about having a quiet time or a time with the Lord as we sit down. Okay, we'll sit down with my Bible and maybe a cup of tea when you read the Bible. Some of you, the best way that you can have a quiet time is with your, the musical instrument you play. James Gray would have a hard time. He, he does all kind of crazy things. Tingling, symbols, stuff like that. Lord, uh, you know... One of the ways that you can prophesy into the situation and circumstances of your lives with the musical instruments that God gives you. And some of it, some of them are, y'all are not musical instruments. Uh, some of it, sometimes it's just like this morning. Man, I got out, of the, I, 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 you know, I was up and just getting in the Lord and, and then I jumped in the shower and I'm just going, you know, I'm, I'm meditating on the Word and the Lord just put it in my heart and says, Speak it. Give thanks. Verbally. So I'm in the shower and thank God Paula wasn't there. Because I just started just shouting, just these praises to God. Paula's in Alabama. She had a niece had a wedding. And, uh, and I just started shouting these praises to God and giving thanks to the Lord. And I'll show you this here. Because watch this in verse 3. Oh, verse 3. Oh, Jethan, son of Jethan. <laughs> you know <laughs> And the people, six under the direction of their father, with the harp, prophesied how? In what? Giving thanks and what? How do you prophesy? Well, y'all, I started in this shower this morning. I, I started, hallelujah, Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus. And next thing I know, dudes, I'm sorry, dude. I, next thing I know, I'm thinking I'm about to fall out in the shower. I mean, the power of God come on me. And I mean, I am getting lit. And I'm going, oh, you like that, Lord. And I, what was I doing? I was prophesying into the situations and circumstances in my life. Crazy situations, circumstances. Satan will do stupid stuff. Let me tell you one second he's trying to do with me. This is stupid. We're trying to sell a piece of property down in Florida. We've had it since 1963. No debt. You know, there ain't any debt on this property. 1963, we're going to sell this piece of property. So all of a sudden, you know, we're going to sell it. Some guy wants to buy it. So all of a sudden, we, you know, we're going to do the normal title search. So we're doing this title search on this piece of property. Yeah, it's no big deal. You know, so. All of a sudden, they call the lawyer's call and says, uh, excuse me, there's something problem with your property. Well, what? Yeah, there's a lien on it. What? A lien on it? And come to find out, get this one. The, our property is lot, is block 175, lots 1, 2, 3. 
Okay, block 175, lots 1, 2, 3. Well, a long time ago, this lady bought a house from an interesting thing from a Virginia bank. Now we're talking about down Florida, from a Virginia bank. She borrowed money to buy her house. Her house is on block 176, lots 1, 2, 3. Well, they go to to record her her mortgage, and they record her mortgage on 175, not 176. In the meantime, she had foreclosed on her property. The bank was holding her mortgage, went out of business, and sold to J.P. Morgan Chase. Can we say, mess? And so we've been fighting this battle for a little you know, for a period of time here, trying to just get something off our property that we had nothing to do with. And that's just like Satan, you know, you're unaware. Stuff you're trying to you're trying to use resources that you have and the next thing you know, he's attached liens to your resources. You cannot do with it what you want. And God's saying, prophesy to it. Prophesy to it. And that's what we've been doing. And that's why when they do worship, and they, you know, if you hear us read the word, pray that word, and they start to sing it, it's not just something nice, y'all, sweet. What we're trying to do is we're trying to release the handwriting of ordinances into the areas of our lives that there's dry bones on. So, yeah, bro. Hold on. Would you say the difference then between the whole naming and claiming attitude and real prophetic prophecy and prophesying into something is using the word to do it, not just coming up with your own thing, which quite honestly could even be against the will of God for you, but sticking with the pro- with the word because the word never changes and that will come to pass. Yes, yes, it is. Who is the, Lamentations 3.37 says this. Who is it that speaks and it comes to pass unless God has commanded it? I just can't go around and just start commanding and prophesying into things just as I choose. It's what God has said about my circumstances. Either the word of the Lord written. Now, this is the more sure prophetic word. This is the sure prophetic word. I mean, this is the sure prophetic word. But what about situations like where I've got a, this piece of property down there? Like I'm telling you, about, okay? Well, I know it is God's will for that property to be free. So I, I can claim that. But how about things like, is it God's will for, for Paul and I to build our house? I know God cares about us. I know God cares about my wife. And she cares about her getting out of a one-bedroom garage apartment and being able to let her grandkids sit, sleep somewhere rather than a bathroom, you know. And I know God cares about that. And so I can prophesy and I can speak into that, the word of the Lord. So what you try to do is hear the word of the Lord about situations and circumstances or the written ordinances. That's two ways. So this is the best to declare. That's why, like, we, you know, about... That's what hit me about this morning, y'all. And uh, can can we go to Psalm 133 again? I just want to say this. This is where we're going to end up with this. 
Psalm 133. This happened at, uh, I've read this passage. I, pro- I didn't know how many times I've read this passage of Scripture, Psalm 133. Yesterday at uh, Josh and Rose's wedding, I think it was Josh's, no, Rose's uncle stood up. Over on the right, the guy sort of bawling. He, he confessed this passage of Scripture over Josh and Rose. You know, about how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. And notice verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord did what? Commanded the blessing. There the Lord. Where did the Lord command the blessing? Where's the blessing? Where's the commanded blessing, y'all? What? Unity. Okay, God's wanting to command it. Okay, now think about this out. God's will for us to bless. Okay? To bless us. In fact, He's going to command the blessing. Okay? Where is the commanded blessing? In what? Everybody say this. Wait, one word. Huh? Unity. Okay, unity where? Unity means one. Okay? One. Where? Our life? My, my life. Does every area in my life sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts? Am I in unity with the Lord in my life? If, if I am, y'all, there's a commanded blessing. Here's the second thing the Lord put on my heart. Families, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Unity there. Like I was picking on uh, Derek and Sharon. The commanded blessing for their household is unity in their relationship with each other. Any areas that there's not, let me just back up. What's Satan's strategy? House divided, what? Against itself is what? Laid waste. Laid waste. If Satan wants to to lay waste this house, what is he going to do? What? Divide it. Because there's not, not only is it just being able to be laid waste, there's no blessing. It's the opposite. In this house, this house, Paul and Rick, How about this church? Y'all, I'm going to tell you this. In the spiritual realm, it's absolute, y'all. We can't skirt. We can't compromise. And y'all, God's calling us to this place of unity right now. And He's calling us to be able to prophesy the commanded blessing over unity. That's how this thing's coming all the way back around and it's focused on the same place. So there's three areas that we, I think, well, there's four. There's individual. Some of us in here are not in the line where we can prophesy over the, over the circumstances and situation in our lives because there's a lot areas in our lives that are not in line with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Two, our families. Three, this church. Four, this is the one that grieves my heart big time, our nation. 
our nation. We are very divided right now. So we need to stand in the gap for that place. You get anything? It's just really, really interesting. This The kids probably... I don't know, three or four weeks ago, Monica's not here, but they did this little exercise and they put rice in two jars. Does anybody have those at home from the kids? But we have them and I know the Riley's had them and the Wojciechowski's had them and we were just, and and it was amazing what they did is they put on one, they put on one side just kind of a, you know, you're a fool or, you know, just something like that. And then on one side, you know, you're a blessing. Like it was a, between a blessing and a curse. It was kind of this, what are you going to speak and prophesy into your life? And it was over these rice things. And I'm telling you, what, it's amazing. Like the rice that, you know, doesn't have, you know, has the curse or whatever on it, you know, the speaking, speaking death over it. It's just black. And the rice that has the, the blessing and the prophesy of the blessing, it's just white. I'm, I'm just telling you, everybody's that I've done. I mean, and, I, and it, it just started speaking to me. And, and I've and I just been doing this even personally. I'm like, man, like, that's exactly what you're saying. Prophesy into the, the life that's within us. You know, the life is there. And, and, and God wants to bring it forth. So I just encourage you. Like, that, it has to be, it, it needs to become a lifestyle for our lives. This prophesying. And when Kent. I mean, when Kim was here, I mean, that, that, the message of that message was huge. You know, this whole thing, you know, those three areas of prophesying to the bones, prophesying to the breath. And then there was one more that followed, kept, if you keep going on down. And, but I, I, I just encouraged, I felt like the Lord was just, was just saying that, you know, that we need to, some, especially there was several marriages in here that need, you need to prophesy to your marriage because it's it's dry it's yeah. the, the bones are there uh, you're seeing the, the flesh has kind of come off the marriage and all of a sudden you're you're just in that bone stage and the lord's saying prophesy to that marriage and it, it will come back to life like the flesh the the things the breath will come back because god has established that it's already there that you don't have to convince god that your marriage is supposed to be where it's at it's it's already there it's created that way the marriage is created that way. And the Lord just says, same thing. You prophesy to it. You give life to it in, in, in that word. I just felt like, especially when you said the marriage, you know, I felt like there's at least two marriages in here that need that. Here's the words, some of the words I think God's called us to pray about. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body as well. And you all know the past scripture, how the, it goes on to talk about his tongues, this very small spark. But it says, it goes down, it says, for with it, it's talking about the tongue, with the mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. We've made it like, who is who men in the likeness of God. From, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send forth, send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? No. Does a, does a fig tree, it goes on to say, my brethren produce olives and vine produce figs? No, neither can salt water produce fresh. 
one of the things the Lord's saying, first thing is, before we start prophesying, two is, we've got to deal with the words that we've been speaking over into our lives. Some of you have been speaking the circumstances. You haven't been saying anything. You can change that today. But some of you have been speaking the circumstances you're in, and God's saying, repent. And the third thing is, we need to change and start speaking where we're going like what Mitch spoke. And so, I want us to do a song to prophesy into our lives. And it's got to do about lavishing on the Lord. It's really got to do with that. And as we, as we sow and prophesy into Him love, guess what gets released back into our lives? And So read that passage and then let's go into this song. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. 